behind every, whether it's a like or a retweet or a favorite or a what it, reshare or whatever, behind every one of those interactions is a person. And these connections are people. Behind every connection is a person. And I want to get to know them. I don't want to just collect the dots. I want to connect the dots. Welcome to Power to Speak, the podcast. I'm Jackie Goddard, and it's my mission to make entrepreneurs, leaders, and speakers excited about sharing their business ideas, to watch them transform from fearful to fearless in front of their audience. Power to Speak, the podcast is aimed at those aspiring to be leaders, entrepreneurs, and speakers, giving them the opportunity to learn from those that have been there, seen that, and got the t-shirt. I discuss with them how they've used their creativity, curiosity and humility to create their success. So welcome to Power to Speak, the podcast. And my guest today is Al Fawcett. So Al, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. And Al, you are the founder and director of Infinite Pie. Now, there's a, a list of titles that go alongside that, including storyteller, coach. You have a podcast. But I'd like you to explain a little bit about what you do and what is meant by storyteller in, in what you do. Interesting one to pick out there, and I can see why. So Infinite Pie uh, came about uh, a number of years ago. So I worked for organizations as an employee for a number of years. I had a, had a career path, if you like, set out for me for a period of time. I was always seen as this guy that had a little bit of potential about him. And I, I went up through the ranks in, in various ways. And then I got to a point in my career where it was like, okay, what's next? Where, where do I go from here? And, um, and I started my own business. And that was 20, uh, more than 20 odd years ago. So after working for other organizations for about 15 years, I've now been working for myself for about another 20 on top of that. And, uh, and it's given me some great experiences. The first business um, was just named very, very simplistically. I was asked the question of what do you want to call it? I went, um, faucets and associates. Uh, but I, over time, I started to understand the, the impact of wanting to actually make a difference and help people and that's where infinite pie was born and we morphed into infinite pie on the basis of a number of principles so infinite pie is based on the principle of abundance so there's a win-win scenario all the time so a lot of people have this perception that uh if life is like a pie if you take a big slice of it there's less left for me whereas i actually think there's plenty for all of us especially if we actually help and support each other through that it also stands for things like we can morph it into lots of different things. So I'm a performance improvement coach. I help people to improve their performance. And again, I've got ways and means of doing that. So I'm focused on how do you get better? How do you constantly look for what's next and, and, and how do I develop and grow? So it's the and I'm also believe that there's not a one size fits all to these things. So how I will work with one person will be slightly different to how I work for another. So I could look at it and say there's infinite performance improvement experiences. So the pie is performance improvement experiences. So there's lots of different variations and versions of this, which again links into the storytelling bit is it's stories, right? So the story I was telling it when I first started Infinite Pie has morphed and developed and shifted and changed as I've gained more experience and done more things and gone to more places and, and learned from others. Um, so that's how I see a lot of what I do. I get people to tell me their story. And then we define whether or not that story is serving them, not serving them, and what they need to do to get to where they want to go. Right. Well, I mean, there's so much in there, but <laughs> the uh, performance coach, you see, when I very first started my business, I called myself a performance coach because that's what I did. I helped people with performing. Yep. <laughs> but then every time I Googled it, it was coming up as something completely different. And obviously yes. th that now is, as you've explained, is exactly what, what you do. But so you can see the confusion with the performance and the storytelling actually exactly you know, what you do right exactly what i do yeah. and and actually in reality there's a lot of crossover of course there with, is. you know with with what what i do and what you do i'm sort of obviously more the the you know put, putting those ideas out there into a space but really it's all about communication 
So tell me a little bit about how the communication with the people that you work with works and where that came from for you, because obviously the, the communication side of what you do is very important is, is how people talk to others in relation to building their own performance and, and enhancing their own performance. Yeah. So, so you're right. And again, you will look at performance from the perspective of with your background, how we perform, how we present ourselves. And there's an element of that in what I do. And it's part of the bigger picture. Um, but I look at performance in probably more of the generic and global of how are you performing against a set of results or targets or goals or, you know, an area of skills, knowledge, competencies and expertises, especially in the business space. So I work with organizations and senior leaders within businesses um, to help them to define the performance that they're looking for and then to achieve that. And you mentioned communication and communication is one of the keys because it's um, I'm part of what we do is as a coach, I I focus on uh, improving your thinking. So if I can help you to improve your thinking, I will tend to help you to improve your performance because how we think about things, the stories we tell. So ultimately, first and foremost, is how we communicate with ourselves. Yeah. So even in the sense of you, you mentioned uh, right at the start that, you know, you mentioned a, a number of titles that I have if you like, associated with me. And it's really fascinating because I will stand in front of groups of people and I'll often ask them the question of, okay, let's do really quick introductions. Uh, I want to know your name. I want to know your job role. I want to know a little bit about you and the experience that you have and so on and so forth. So well, let's start with that. What's your name and your job role and how many years experience do you have? And it is fascinating to see how many people as we go around the room will give me a job title rather than a job role. So I'll ask them a question. I say, hey, look, brilliant. Love, love that. And I know a little bit about you now, but I know your job title. And now I've just got a perception of what that job title is. And the thing that's really, really fascinating is the amount of people that will not just give me a job title, but will actually preface it with the words, oh, I'm just a. Now, these are all stories. These are all messages. This is all communication. What they're effectively saying to me is, oh, I'm just one of these. I'm just that. Or, I, you know, so it's almost that essence of telling themselves and telling others, I'm not that important. That in itself is a form of communication. But anyway, so then we go round and I go back and I say, no, 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 I don't want your job title. I want to know what you do. I want to know the reason that you're here. I want to understand your role. And then what happens is they tend to go round again. And we might this time morph into a little bit more about their activities. And I go, no, it's about purpose. What is the reason your role exists within this business? What do you contribute? What do you bring to the party? And it starts from there. And then we go on from there. So communication, like I say, is key. It's about that consistency of message. It's about how we get things across. And as I say, a lot of that can come down to how we get it across to ourselves before we even start getting it across to others. But um, but a lot of um, a lot of where uh, biggest challenges that we face um, can often come down to a breakdown of communication in some way, shape or form. So it can be often when I'm speaking with people, they will want to tell me about, well, the problem is such and such isn't very good at. And it's like, OK, so what's your part in that? We're not here to work on such and such. We're here to work on you. So what's your role and your your, your partner, how are you working with them? How are you communicating with them? How are you, you know, developing that in order to take it further? So we can take this into lots of different directions, but communication is pretty much at the heart of a lot of what we do. Yeah. So tell me how, how you came to be in this kind of role. I know you started out in sales and I know that <laughs> you had, you, you, you sort of uh, found a way of being able to sell quite successfully is that did that was that a kind of um a seed that kind of planted what you do now is it is, is what that was grown into what you are now yeah i i think i think all of these things everything that we do is 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 part of who we become and whether or not we hold on to it or we let it go but there's lessons to be learned in all of these things without getting all you know too woo woo about it all you know so you're right many years ago um 
and it is many years ago now. Uh, I, you know, I had visions of what I was going to be when I grew up and all the rest of it as a kid. And, and I had, and, and at no point did I turn around and say, I'll be a salesperson of some description, but that's the role that I tended to move into. I saw, I saw a variety of things and I can tell lovely stories about how I was in one part of the business. And I saw these, these people that were walking around with nicer suits and, and mobile phones and better cars and all the rest. And I said, what do they do? And they told me, and I said, how do I become one of them? And went down that route. But the thing that was really, really fascinating is I got this one particular role in a new type of industry. So I wasn't used to the industry. I moved into this industry and it was in a sales role. And um, and I was I was shockingly bad at it. I mean, I really, really struggled. Um, I do tell the joke of I sold lots of things, but that was my house, my car and my furniture because I couldn't afford to keep them <laughs> because I was rubbish at selling the stuff I was supposed to be selling. And a lot of it. So, so I handed my notice in. So I give my notice in my manager, who was a fantastic salesperson, by the way, because the best selling I've ever seen was the interview where he sold me on the job and told me it was going to be easy and fantastic and all these sort of bits and pieces. But um, but he took it. Yeah, he's happy to take my note at my my resignation and said, yeah, you're you're rubbish. I don't know what I saw in you at the time. And, you know, and I was a little sort of broken at that time I was like, oh that's not quite what I thought of myself and all these sort of bits and pieces uh but I'm standing there by the photocopy because they didn't trust me to go out and see customers anymore so I'm standing there by the photocopy having to work my notice doing sort of administrational duties and um and a pivotal moment in my life was meeting another manager so one of my manager's colleagues and he turned around and said here you're going and I said, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm working my notice as we speak. And he said, uh, it's a real shame. I thought you were one of the good guys. I said, well, I'd like to think I am one of the good guys, but, you know, maybe this isn't for me. And he said, you got time for a coffee? And I said, yeah. And we sat down and uh, and he chatted away about, so tell me what, you know, where did, where did it go wrong? What what were you expecting to achieve? What What did good look like when you took this job? What was it that you were expecting your goals and you were you were after? And I told him, I said, I was going to be this and I was going to do that. And I was going to achieve all these various bits and pieces. And he said, OK, that will make sense. And I can see why that would be really aspirational and would drive you and motivate you to achieve it. He said, but so where are you now in relation to that? And I went, couldn't be any further away from it if I tried. And he said, no, but specifically, what, what are the things that you're really struggling with and, and finding challenging and whatever? And I sort of said to him and we went through it and he went, okay. And then he said, so if we can find a way to help you to achieve those, that you know, get back on track and achieve the things that you were looking to achieve, you know, would it be worth it, the, the effort? And I went, oh, you know, seems a long way off at the moment, but yeah, I, you know. And he said, look, tell me about your sales process. And I went, okay. And I just literally walked into it really, really quickly. I just said, hey, look, you know, I look at our product offering. I go out to try and, you know, I look at the list of customers. I see where they've got a gap in our product offering, you know, what we've got in relation to a gap that they, they might have. And I go out and I try and show them why this would be worthwhile. And he said, why, why are you focusing on that? And I went, because that helps me to hit my targets. And he said, right, so it's about you then. And I went, yeah. And he said, okay, I'm going to give you, and this is the best definition of selling I've ever heard before or since. And he said, selling is simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. Find out what your customer wants and give it to them. Forget what you want for a while. Find out what they want and give it to them. Give enough customers what they want. You'll get what you want. I went, ah. Oh. Now, that sounds great in principle. And I sat back and I went, okay, you know, I walked away, reflected on it. And I went, okay, what does that mean? And how do I do that? The interesting thing was that um, after that conversation, he turned around and said, how about you join my team? And I gave him, or this is how it felt to me. I gave him six months <laughs> to validate that I would be a good guy. I was giving him six months. That's the way that the impression he gave me. So if you think about it, he's just done everything that he said. He's given me what I want, and he's going to get what he wants if this all works. So he modeled his behaviors. So I sat back, and I thought about it, and I thought, okay, so what do I really do here? What is it? How am I going to get that across? 
And I came up with this very, very simplistic principle, right? I sat down in front of my customers and I genuinely would get out a piece of paper and I'd say, this is what we're going to do today. And I'd draw an A and put it in a circle and a B and I'd put it in a circle and I'd draw an arrow in between. And I'd go, this is where you are now. This is where you want to be. And this is the action that you need to take and the commitment that you need to make in order to move you from one to the other. So it's a three-part process. If any part of the process is missing, it doesn't work. If I don't know where you're starting from, how can we get you there? If I don't know where there is, we can take any action you want. We'll get you somewhere, but it might not be there. And if you, if I know where you're starting from, I know where you want to be, but you're not prepared to take the action, you're not prepared to make the commitment, then that ain't a goal. It's a dream. So tell me, Mr. Customer, what's your B? And I would get them to completely define this thing. They were living this thing. And I was brilliant, love that. And I go, so how far away from that are you? You know, what would it take for us to get there? And I just understand their drivers and their motivation. I was like, tell me a story. Tell me the story of what this is all about. And we do that. And I, as I honed it and got better at it, um, you know, I started hitting my targets and doing the things that I needed to do. And then I, as as often the case, I get a tap on the shoulder and it's like, we'd like you to take on a team and to help share this with other people and so on and so forth. And, you know, your skills and manage people. And I thought, OK, now what I didn't realize is that management was a whole set of new skills. You know, you just think, well, it's just doing what I do, but sharing it with others. So uh, I understood I, I, I thought that by taking on a team, that all I needed to do was to show them the A to B process and we'd be fine. That's it. Done. They'll all go out, do that, and we'll be rocking and rolling and we'll be top team. And uh, and it didn't work. It just did not work. And the reason it didn't work is because I'd lost sight of what I was actually trying to do, which was I just needed to follow the same approach and the same process again. I've just got new customers now. And my customers are my team. So it was working with my team one by one to sit and go, tell me a story. What's your B? Where are you now in relation to it? What are the actions that we need to get you from one to the other? How committed to doing that are you? And my approach was my job is to help you to get from A to B faster than if you tried to do it on your own. I'm here to help. I'm here to support. And that is where when I started out on my own, I took those principles into my coaching and into uh, uh, into the, 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 the management work that I do with organizations and the projects that I lead and so on and so forth. It's just the, where are we? Where are we going? What's the actions that we need to take? Who do we need to involve? And how do we make this happen faster than if we all tried to do it on our own? Yeah. I mean, and that, that to me, you just explaining that is, you know, I did a coaching course last year and that's that is the the principle is you know where you are now where you want to be and how are you going to get there and in that is just that's a that's a classic coaching thing and it's you know handing handing that to them as the customer yep. as the client and giving them the responsibility to actually you know to, to get themselves there because then they understand that, that that it's it's doable and that they they can they can actually achieve something well there's more commitment if you own it if you yeah. take accountability and responsibility for it. So even with management, the amount of times I, I, I was working within this organization, I've got up to regional level and, you know, and I was, I was looking after uh, quite a large area of, of, of geographically as well as uh, numbers. And I was going to see people and, uh, um, uh, to oversee how effective they were. So all of a sudden I was managing managers, managers. Um, so it was out down through the ranks. And my logic was always, if I stay in sales, I can help however many people, you know, directly help so many customers. If I become a manager, I can help so many salespeople help so many yeah. customers. So exponentially, it's great. If I become a regional, I can help so many managers, help so many teams, help so many. So, and it grew like that. And I was always trying to help this sort of this greater, this greater amount in various ways. But part of it, again, was always this thing of looking at how we can be more efficient and how we can be more effective and how we can communicate. And again, this, this closing the loops of and the amount of times that I would see managers. I always found it really interesting that people were often doing the job of the person below them. So what would happen is you would get a salesperson who would become a man and it could be any role, right? It could be administration, operational, you know, whatever it might be, various people, they get promoted into the next role up 
And all of a sudden they're privy to a little bit more information and they sort of see different things and they get they get additional training or whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden they go, oh, if I'd have known this when I was doing that job, I would have done it this way. So what they do is they just go into automatic tell mode that goes, if I was you, I would do this, this, this and this. But there's no context. There's no you know yeah. uh, relationship to it. So what I try and shift and uh, and 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 tweak it is to go whatever role you're at. Start thinking like the person above you. So what do they want? What do they need? What will help them? What will solve their problems? What will make life easier for them? And if you start doing that, then funnily enough, people will start seeing you in those roles over a period of time. And you will certainly be more effective at the role that you're doing at the moment. But yeah. if you just keep doing the role of the person below you, that's how people will perceive and see you as well. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. I mean, I've always loved that thing of, you know, like dress dress for the job you want rather want, than not the one, the one you have. got. So, yeah, I mean, I can abs absolutely see that. Um, so tell me what it was that you wanted to be when you grew up. Um, interestingly, so I grew up in Australia and uh, and. Um, I was probably the, the typical Aussie lad where I was at a ball in my hand and, uh, you know, out playing sport and swimming and cricket and football. And, you know, we uh, towards the end of my time there, we had horses and various other bits and pieces. And, you know, I was very, very sporty, but um, I was actually quite good at um, I was always fascinated. I loved reading as well. I loved music, love all these sort of various bits and pieces. So I had this sort of creative approach. And initially, I always wanted to be a professional sports person. Unfortunately, uh, in my mid-teens, you know, a couple of knee operations later, it was starting to sort of disappear on me. But um, at one point, I thought I was going to be maybe something like a, a journalist or something like a sports journalist or whatever, because I loved writing. I loved telling stories. I loved understanding but i've always 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 had a passion for i'm i'm just naturally curious i like knowing um how things work how what makes people tick and, and it tends to be in people i'm not a, an engineer where i try and pull things apart and go well, okay how does that wire go into there i tend to do that type of thing from a people perspective i like to know how people work so i'm fascinated by watching documentaries or reading biographies and whatever in relation to you know how people succeed or how they overcome things or when they face challenges or all these sort of bits and pieces so i suppose um so to answer your question it was always going to be something creative it was always going to be something uh either active like sports or um or writing journalism books whatever it might be uh and then of course like i say it was that fascinating thing of that that first day in the careers office sitting down doing all the the relevant testing and they went yep we can see you're creative we can see you this we can see you that and blah 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 how about a government scheme in this in this organization and uh it was a retail organization and i went Okay, I'll start there for now, and then just went on from there. It's and then funny, you, back you know, I've had this conversation. I think with practically every podcast guest is is it, it it's amazing how often that happens. Is that you just you have all these kind of things that are you and make you you. Well, that's curiosity, creativity, all of those things. One conversation, and you end up going somewhere completely different. But but it is it's. I truly believe that we kind of come back doesn't matter what direction we go off in we end up coming back to what we love and and I can see that with you with it, absolutely what you do with the storytelling and the way that you you want to know people's stories because it's exactly what I love to do as well um which is why I became an actor because I mean that's just what you, what you get to do is just to dig into people's lives yep. and find out what makes them tick you know motivation all of those things um so I think absolutely you've come you've come back to that uh, I mean, I, I I do want to come back to the uh, the Australian beginning, <laughs> okay. but let's let's just veer off slightly, um, just on 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 that kind of creative side of things. It's because you've you've been a podcast host for quite a few years on and off, haven't you? I have. So, yeah. so how did that start? Was that the sort of performer, writer, creative side of you that curious, or or uh, what was it that made you start a podcast? Yes. So yes and no. So the idea of sitting behind a microphone and uh, and and 
recording my own voice was completely just outside of my realms of possibility way back when. I was always fascinated. I've always listened to audio books um, and and podcasts for for years and years and years. Um, But it was, so I loved, I loved the medium. I loved, I loved the idea of it. Um, I would stand in front based on what I do. I would be standing in front of groups. I was always comfortable standing in front of groups. And well, I say always comfortable, as comfortable as people can be. Uh, Once I got warmed up and, and and into it and maybe i'll have to to pick your brains through the the next uh, half an hour or so on little <laughs> tips and techniques on how to do this more effectively because i'm sure people are sitting there as we speak going he stands in front of groups yeah. uh but again it's that thing of um so i was uh, the first time i i started the idea of podcasting was uh was based on the fact that like you say i i was running projects. I have been lucky enough to work all around the world running projects for large organizations and working with their senior leadership in helping to develop their people um, at, at all sort of various levels. And I remember I was working for uh, in the banking industry, I was working for one of the larger banks and I was running this project on some uh, the people side of change through this sort of transitional period that they were going through. And I had a, a, a large team. And two of my team were sat in the corner and um, and one of them was 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 doing some stuff with LinkedIn. And I went over and I said, what, what's going on? And he said, um, I've just um, I've just got another LinkedIn connection. And this is a number of years ago now. And he said, I just got another LinkedIn connection. I said, fantastic. I said, what, so why, why so excited? And he said, is, is it somebody special? Is it somebody that you were really hoping to connect with? And he went, no, 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 it's just that I've set myself a goal to get to a certain number by the end of the year, and this is one closer. And I went, oh, right, okay, so tell me a little bit more about that. You know, I'm just fascinated by what made these people tick and uh, and why they were so excited. And he said, well, I'm a goal-driven person. I want to hit this number. And then, you know, and I said, and then what? And he said, well, then I'll set a new number and I'll go for that. And I was like, so there was a number of things that were whizzing through my head about when is enough enough and you know, are we constantly on this path to just more, more, more? But more importantly, it was the thing of behind every, whether it's a like or a retweet or a favorite or a what it, reshare or whatever, behind every one of those interactions is a person. And these connections are people. Behind every connection is a person. And I want to get to know them. I don't want to just collect the dots i want to connect the dots Mm -hmm. so again it's this situation of you know um creating connections that count so i had this thing in my head so i'd already was playing with so we have a very simple principle at infinite pie which is do stuff that matters with people who count in places that inspire and that is about understanding the the priorities cutting away distractions focusing on what's important we can't try and do everything because it creates overwhelm so what is important right now and where do we need to go next the people who count so what are the resources the people the partners the sponsors the clients that whatever it might be who's involved in this and why are they important how do we develop their appropriate relations and i've created some tools and resources around that and the places that inspire is all about the right environment so from mindset to actually an inspiring place to work do you feel comfortable with it and you know how have you set it up for success so this creating connections that count bit all of a sudden became a thing for me and I was like okay so what does that mean what does that mean what does that mean and probably about 10 years ago I started the infinite pie connection podcast it's 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 gone now I, I haven't done anything with that for years and years but it was amazing and i started off by the very first episode was just talking to somebody that i knew i just asked a friend just jump on a call with me and let's let's do this thing and uh and it was all about what they connected with tell me stories about what do you connect with the people the places the things what inspires you what memories do you have how does you know what emotional connection do you have with these various bits and pieces and we would share these stories and then right at the end I asked two key questions. And one was, who would you love to connect to and why? And I was as interested in the why as I was the who. And then I would turn around and say, so who would you recommend and suggest that I connect to and why? And as a result of that, um, I went off in these amazing directions. So I started off with people I knew. And the next thing you know, I'm flying over to New York to, mm-hmm. 
to work with and meet people that I'd done podcast interviews with and I was doing some work in various places and it was really incredible and it was just this whole this is what connections all about and relationships and communication whatever and obviously honed my craft over a while still learning always learning um, various bits and pieces uh, with regards to the whole podcasting thing and then uh, probably about two years ago now, I started a new podcast. So I let that go after a period of time. I was really busy and life had moved on a little bit. Always had the intention I was going to come back to it. Um, and then about two years ago, I started Infinite Pie Thinking, which is more probably aligned with the business now. The first one was very, very much a hobby. This one's a little bit more aligned to the business, but it's just speaking to people about thought-provoking stories, tearing their stories, their insights, their perspectives, the lessons they've learned. And it probably has demonstrated to me, and you'll know this one perfectly, um, the amount of well, in all, in a way, all of us are always going through what would be classed as the classic hero's journey. In some way, shape, or form, when I am when I'm speaking with these people, there is the I went on this adventure mm. called life. There was challenges, there was obstacles, there was villains, there was things that got in my way. Mentors, guides, new ways of looking at things appeared to help and support me and, you know, hold my feet to the fire to help me to achieve these things. And I went on to my quest to, you know, either achieve great things or to, to learn great lessons or whatever it might be. And I think that you mentioned it earlier that, that, that we all have that to a certain degree. I can go back to a number of pivotal moments in my life that I could have gone in a number of different directions, but there was always a guide or mentor or coach or whatever it might be that was on hand some way somehow that helped me through that yeah now i mean the the hero's journey for me is is a is a big part of what i do i mean i i just love the fact that you can tell people they are the hero of their own journey and you know they just kind of go uh and you know, because we all we all have these stories, exactly as you say, we all have these. You know, we've all we're all on this adventure, and every every person's adventure is different. Yeah. Um. And and I also love the fact, and I think this was a, a TED talk about presentations. A lady called Nancy Duarte, and she kind of reframed the whole kind of um, standing on a stage talking to an audience, or being in front of a, a microphone talking talking to anybody, sharing your ideas and, and your thoughts and all of those things. But thinking that it's not that you are the hero, it's the fact that you are the mentor and the audience are the hero. So the the audience are the Luke Skywalkers and you are Yoda. Yeah. You know, so you you are the person that's that's sharing and hopefully whatever message is kind of landing with the heroes out there that they can, you know, their world has changed slightly. They can go off and do something different. Yes. Um, so I I just I love that idea. And you you you're absolutely spot on. So I see myself very much more a guide, a mentor, a coach, you know, to other people who are heroes in their own stories. But we play both roles, right? We are we are heroes of our own story. Um, and therefore, we need to be open to the guides, the mentors, the coaches, the, the lessons to be learnt. Um, and if we are open to them, funnily enough, we will learn things and we, we progress on our way. Um, but yeah, so sometimes we're the hero and sometimes we're the we're the guide and the mentor. And it's just yeah. understanding which hat you're wearing at any given time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that leads me nicely into the fact that you have homeschooled your three lovely daughters <laughs> for all of these years. And 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 again, there's another story in there that I love of the the why wait story. And <laughs> I just wonder in in relation to to you being a mentor for your children, as we all are. I like to think yeah. I was a mentor yeah. for my daughter, even though Obviously, I handed over. I handed her over to other teachers. Um, how did that? Why did you come to that decision? And how hard was that <laughs> to right. do? We're not ending here. Just taking a quick break to remind you that you are listening to Power to Speak the podcast, and we'll be right back after we hear from our friend, fellow podcaster, and teller of tantalising tales from the Storytelling with Puck podcast, Stefano Capicione. The story I'll, I'll read for you. There once were three little girls. 
This is a dream that I think really shows how we view transformation. Dreams, emotions, empathy, connection, stories, storytelling with Puck. Find your next tantalizing tale on your favorite podcast platform or at puckcreations.com forward slash storytelling with Puck podcast. So first thing I'm going to do is to, to make sure that I give my wife all the credit because okay. she's incredible for this. Now, obviously, because of the joy of what I get to do and, and the fact that I get to do, uh, I run my own business, so I have that flexibility of I'm around a lot. Having said that, I'm around a lot, but I'm also away a lot, or I certainly was. The last two years have been slightly different, but, um, but you know, I was spending chunks of time on various countries around the world, and I was, you know, it was lots of video calls and various bits and pieces like that. Um, so the decision... Mm-hmm. It is, it, it, it's everything that we just talked about. I am absolutely passionate and curious and a lifelong learner, and we wanted to inspire that in our children. Um, now, I'm certainly not anti-education. So one of the things that's quite interesting is when we mention this stuff, and we don't sort of go bragging about it or anything like that. It's more of a, if it becomes part of the topic, we don't deny it or we don't promote it. It's just what we did. So as you say, three daughters, and um, and we're not. Uh, uh, so so we just felt we wanted to give them these this this wide variety of experiences, and for them to to get passionate about a lot of things, and just an opportunity to try different things. And it's really interesting because obviously the last couple of years have given people different insights into home education, but once again. It's all based on individual perception. So how some people do it can be completely different to others. There isn't this one size fits all. And our approach to it was very experiential. And also, uh, you know, the perception is that all you're doing is you're replacing school at home. And ours was this is a school of life. It's out there, you know, for us to go and experience. And you said you said a minute ago, and it's really interesting the way you phrased it, but you said I handed off some of that to other people. Well, so did we. You know, we are certainly not experts on all of the things that our children wanted to learn and experience. Mm. So we found experts. But that could be from everything from uh, local potters so they could go and learn pottery to, you know, equestrian places where they actually started. My my eldest daughter actually became a volunteer where she was helping with the um, disabled uh, people and children who were coming for therapy in the horse and she was involved in that and became a young leader and so on and so forth in those sort of areas and just really experiencing life in lots of different ways and my I'm, I'm really proud to say that my eldest daughter for example um, has having um, gone through 15 years of, of of home education then went to college for two years she has we literally uh recently this week went to an award ceremony where she was presented with as the winner of student of the year for her her particular subject and has been accepted into exeter university where she'll be starting in months to come to study sports science so once again, like I said, it's this whole blended learning sort of finding experiences. It's not just this like weird, weird in this area of society and we see things differently. So, so again, as I say, it aligns to my whole principle of life of it's out there for us to go and find and test and try and fail and succeed and do more and what we like and what we don't like and all those sort of bits and pieces. So we've always given them, if you like, permission to be who they are, find what's important to them and, and and go for it in various ways. And that really sounds quite glib. It's been challenging. It's been tough. It's, you know, there's been um, uh, uh, obstacles in various ways, but you can find your way around them if you find the guides, the coaches and the mentors yeah, yeah. and you yeah, look I'm, for the lessons. Yeah. And as for the, the why wait thing, you mentioned the why wait thing. So again, there's a story to be told with that. And the first was my lesson in it and then how I shared it with them. So the first part of it is that, again, one of the pivotal moments in my life and a guide and a mentor appeared at the right time. And that was that uh, without sort of giving you too much of a backstory, um, 
working in an organization. I was traveling around the country. I literally lived out of my, my car. So I would, I had a home base that I would go back to on a Friday night, spend Saturday getting myself ready, washing, ironing clothes and all the various bits and pieces in order to get back in a car on, on Sunday to travel around the country Sunday night through Friday night. And I was just doing my job visiting and I've put thousands upon thousands upon thousands of miles on the car and driving around doing this this work and I loved it don't get me wrong I loved it but there was a situation where uh, I ended up walking out to my car one day where everything that I owned um, was in the car and I walked out my car had been broken into and it was all gone and I mean all gone I literally walked into the hotel with a newspaper um, as opposed to bags of stuff and uh i get a phone call from my boss the next day he found out i was doing all the things and messaging people and letting them know that this was a scenario i wasn't going to be in the work the next day because i didn't have any this was a sunday so i didn't have any clothes to wear and so on and so forth so um so off we go and uh, and he rang me and he turned around and he said and, and he since told me that he was worried about the fact that i was going to disappear and go to america and ride a motorbike, grow a big, long beard. I didn't have a beard at the time. <laughs> grow a big, long beard and ride across America on a motorbike or something for, for the rest of my life. Um, but he turned around to me and he said, one day you'll probably look back on this and laugh. And I went, yeah, probably. And he went, why wait? And I just loved that. I don't know why, but it just hit me exactly the right way at the right time because I did laugh and I, did, you know, and he brought me, he, he just broke my pattern, it, the, the, the little woe is me cycle that I was in. I started to realize it was just stuff, you know, it wasn't that important. It didn't define me or all these sort of various bits and pieces. So years later, uh, I'm chatting to my kids and I'm hearing all of this stuff. I fall into these patterns that we all do of, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up and all the rest of it? And then all of a sudden this light bulb went off and I turned around and I said, um, so what do you want to be? I stopped saying when you grow up. So I said, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to experience? And they would tell me, oh, I'd love to be a writer. I'd love to be a gymnast. I'd love to da 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 why wait? Start writing. If you want to be a writer, write. If you want to be a gymnast, let's start tumbling. You know, let's do these things. Let's try these things. So wherever possible, we try and apply the why wait principle. It's like, you know, yeah. live. There's, there's an old phrase that a lot of people use, and it's fake it till you make it. And I'm, I'm not a big fan. Okay, I'm not a big fan of it. I understand the principle of it, I'm not a big fan. And the reason I'm not a fan is because the first word and the message that it sends, the first word is fake. So you're already telling yourself, I'm faking this. My version of it is live as if. So if I want to be this, I'm going to live as if I am that. So what would that person do? How would they act? How would they behave? And again, this is right in your sweet spot because I'm sure that's what you're telling people all the time. Yeah. So what would that look like? What would that feel like? How would you present yourself if you were? Fantastic. Be it. There you go. Own it. Take it on. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, um, and and I remember hearing you telling that story when we were uh, when I was watching you on the digital circus live with the the fantastic yellow tuxedo put together not so long ago, yes. and yeah, I remember you saying that about the the fake it till you make it, and you're absolutely right, it, it is the the fake, and if you're if you're acting, if you're in that kind of scenario, the last thing you do is fake being a character. You have to be the character. You have yeah. to know what motivates them, why they're there. And that's something that I now work with people in business is to kind of get get rid of that thinking that they are faking it is, is just be it yeah. and enjoy being it. You know, go for it. Really. Exactly. And it, it and it can be anything, can't it? You know, we turn around, we we give people, as we said right at the beginning, we give people titles. You're a leader. You're a this. You're a that. And we wear that badge. And then we go, what does that mean? Um well, you get to decide, you know, mm. but be that what it, what what that is. So that's some of the times that's the question I'll ask. And we'll we'll start turning around saying, you know, they, they, they can get hung up on. Well, mm. am I a leader or am I a manager? My title says I'm a manager, but everybody keeps telling me I need to lead people. What's and I go, let, let's let's decide. 
let's let's build that out you know tell me what you want to do and yes there's there's slight differences in what you want to do but ultimately we can get so wrapped up in the word rather than actually turning around and saying what is it you want to achieve <laughs> you know mm. who do you want to be how do you bring that about and again like i say you know ultimately we still need to have commercial aspects to this and we need to you know we need to be trying to to get the best out of but you know some of the the people that um uh, uh that i've worked with and uh and spoken to and i've spoken to i've been very fortunate i've spoken to world-class athletes and psychologists and coaches and award-winning entrepreneurs and various bits and pieces like that and a lot of the time their main focus is how do i help those around me to get better their key driver is how do I help those around me to get better? And if we take this full circle, that was where the light bulb went on for me with regards to my sales life way back when and how I have brought that red thread all the way through my, my career and who I am is ultimately my main priority when I got up in the morning and went out on a daily basis was how do I help somebody to be a little bit better today than they were yesterday, whether it's by providing them with a solution to a problem or whether it's, you know, offering them a product that makes their life easier or more effective or more efficient or now with the services and the whatever that I do that it just puts a light bulb on so they think slightly differently, they come at things slightly differently. Yeah. How do we help them to be a little bit better today than they were yesterday? Yes, that's, I mean, it is right at the core of, of what we do and what we are. So I think exactly. that's, that's amazing. So tell us a little bit more about um, the, the whole Australia. <laughs> I do wonder, I do wonder whether there's um, a, a kind of a cultural difference and whether, were you born in Australia or were you born over here? No, I was actually born here, but I, I refer to myself as Australian because I still call Australia home, even though, you know, I've lived here longer than I lived there. But I was born here, but I don't remember it. And my parents were 10 pound poms. So my both my parents were in the army. They got married very young. They were both 18. They had my brother. Then they had me. And uh, before they were 21, um, you know, married three, two kids and out of the army at that point and then decided that uh that you know they, they what's life hold for us and then variety of reasons uh australia advert on the tv at the time so this is the 60s um early 70s uh australia promotion come out to australia and this is back in the days when um, Australia was actually trying to get people out there. So they did a, a promotion where for £10, out you go, but you have to stay for at least two years. If you come back within two years, you have to pay the, the full fare. And um, uh, so my parents went out and it was shocking. Do you know what I mean? It was it was really tough for them. And, um, you know, two, two little ones and, you know, and it's hot and it's sticky and it's not like it is now it's not the big touristy destination it's you know, all these sort of various bits and pieces um and yeah and they were finding their feet and i'm I, you know i look back on it now and go that's incredible my dad had uh i think he tells the story that he had 13 jobs in the first 12 months he was just trying to find that and then he got this job in a warehouse and uh, and over the course of the next 10 years or so he progressed to be running the the whole organization he was the general manager of this organization and we were doing pretty well we built our own home we'd gone from you know uh a, what's called a commissioned house or a council house to building our own lovely house um as i said swimming pool horses and things like that and i'm in my mid-teens and i'm living my best life and um and then uh yeah for family reasons um, there was a death in the family and, uh, and there was that thing of whenever we came back to England, it was just a holiday destination to me. I'd come for four or five weeks at a time. We'd come over, spend, spend my summer holidays over here, which obviously wasn't always nice for me because it was winter over here, uh, or, or whatever it might be. And, um, and, and I just get to experience English life, but it was a holiday destination. Then we go home and that, that was fine. And then, like I said, in my mid-teens, my parents uh, decided that they thought it would be a good idea for us to come back because of family and so on and so forth. And uh, and and we did. And it was a, it was a 
bit of a culture shock. So yeah, going going back to especially in the seventies, Australia was a very different place. Fantastic, don't get me wrong, I loved every minute of it. Um, but very different place to how it is now. And I've I've been back, you know, obviously I go back as often as I can visit family because my parents are back out there now, interestingly. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I go back there. So so pretty much my dad's side of the family all went out to Australia. And uh, so his brothers and sisters and his parents all went out there. Um, so that side of the family's all out there. And my mum's side of the family's over here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, I, I think it was – uh, I think of certain traits and values and principles that I hold dear or I see in myself and I go, that's the Queenslander in me or, or whatever it might be. So, uh, you know, and it's some, some, some of that is a good thing and some not so much. So, yeah. Yeah. but I still, if I, if I turn my camera around slightly here, I think we can see that, up oh, on the wall, yeah. you know, <laughs> be rude not to, wouldn't it? So I still come into my office and make sure that, 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 that part of me is still there. So as you say, I mean, obviously you have been over here longer than you you were over the there. So yeah. it, it must have been the fact that you're still kind of see yourself very much of an, as an Australian. It's, you know. It's formative years, I think. Um, yes. And again, not not to the point of like holding on to it and going, now oh, I'm an Aussie and, you know, when we look at life like this. But I think your formative years have a big part of you. So hence the reason why, you know, outdoor lifestyle love love that sort of sense of adventure love that sort of you yeah. know Australia, australians definitely have in my mind definitely had a, a little bit of a laid-back attitude but they focus on what's important so again there's things like um the difference between living to work and working to live and so on and so forth so yeah but you know, loads of things evolve. So good, good and bad for 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 everywhere, right? Yeah. So there's there's neither good nor bad. But thinking make it so, as the old saying goes. Yes. Now my my husband was a, a well, his family were ten pound poms, so they went out there in the early sixties. But and again, like you're saying about the two families splitting, uh, his mum was a twin so the the twins went out with their respective families right one twin enjoyed it the other twin didn't and obviously Rob, my husband's family were the ones that came back within two years I think they did come back right um so yeah I think it took them two years to <laughs> to get the money together to come back yes but as you say it was very different back then and they I know my husband's father had a had a real problem trying to find work trying to find somewhere to live that was close to work it was not what they were expecting at all yeah 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 well I grew up in an area that you know wasn't the pick of the town shall we say and yeah but all of that stuff again like I say it's it's the you know um it's the do you let it beat you define you whatever or do you sort of stand up straight push your chest yeah. out stick your chin out and go right I'm, I'm gonna take this head on and I look at my dad um and I'm you know I'm really proud of the fact that I, I look back now and go the bravery the commitment the you know the, the his ability to just be resilient and relentless to go we're gonna make this work yeah and uh, and the success that he had as a result of that and, you know, and if I could just take a little bit of that and, and apply it into my life, I'll be a very, very happy man. So, Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. So talking of, of, of family and uh, stories, the, tell, tell us a little bit about the gift of story, because that's that's something relatively new, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You're very good at this linking thing. Oh, you? I so, know. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, <laughs> so gift of story. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. So we, we talked earlier about... Um, uh, about the podcasting and one of the things that I love doing is I love talking with people right so I, I get on to you know my, my podcast as like yours is very conversational it's very it, there's lots of lessons and things to be to be had from it but it's based on a conversational style and what was happening was as a result of that there was people that were reaching out to me that were starting to go I'd love have that type of conversation i'd love to sort of you know it makes me think about when i listen to your conversations it makes me think about my life or my dad's life or my auntie life or whatever um and i'd love to to um to have that sort of thing but i'd never want to come on a podcast so we started playing with it and uh, uh my wife and i and um and we came up with this concept that 
that stories are a gift and the stories that we tell are a gift either for ourselves or for others so we thought well let's make them a gift so what we've created is this product service whatever you want to call it. it's, it's almost like the ability to do your own personal podcast but it's in essence it's capturing your memories and that can either be memories of the past before they fade for future generations or it can be future memories that you are your of your experience now to share with others in the future and i'll give you an example of the two so for example i have been lucky enough and fortunate enough because it genuinely it sounds cheesy but it is an honor to be able to speak with people to get them to help them to share their stories and capture these for them so what happens is we jump on a call like this for an hour or so and we tell stories. We, I get them to tell stories. I ask them the questions and explore these stories of in, in relation to which it was. So I have been lucky enough to speak with grandparents. So people have bought these gifts for them to say, we want you to get on a call with Al and spend this time sharing your stories so we can give it to our kids in the future. So they get to know what granddad was like when he was a kid or how granddad saw us when we were kids or whatever it might be. So these various sort of variations. And it's incredible. Again, like I said, this, this first, the, I remember the very first one I did, um, grandfather, he's in his 70s. He's sharing these stories about when he was, you know, 12 and walking the first time he went out of the city so he was from yorkshire he was out in the he was right in the middle of a, a city center um and he got on a school trip at the age of like 10 or 11 and they went out into the countryside and he said and and it was amazing to watch he said um it was like i died and gone to heaven it was just this place was beautiful yeah. i never knew it existed and then he went on to share the stories about how that became his love for walking and nature and outside and so on and so forth. That was incredible. Uh, another one was a young couple had been given a gift by a friend for them to share um, their stories of their current experience because they just had a baby. So in essence, the gift was for the baby. So this baby's one month old. And they're capturing how they're feeling now. So when they can give this when their baby's a teenager or 18, they can look back. And there's no rose-colored glasses about it. Mm. They're sharing their, this was tough, our first experience. How was it like when we walked in the door for the very first time with this little thing going, it's just the three of us now and so on and so forth. And, you know, all of those experiences. I've done stories with people for special occasions. So it's a... 30th birthday I've done 25th wedding anniversaries and they're getting to share their stories of their life together what was the last 25 years like for each of them from the different perspectives I've done ones for organizations where it's their senior leaders and it's the story of their career and we did one where it was actually somebody who was retiring and they did it as sort of a mutual gift a gift for him but a gift for all the colleagues that he got to share his experience. And actually, subtly, they also used it from the perspective of we can make sure that our clients understand that we've got a plan in place that yeah. we're not losing all that amazing knowledge. Look, he's set the team yeah. up effectively. So there's lots of different ways. But ultimately, gift of story is that is that chance for us to capture those memories and bring them to life because we were talking before we hit record on the basis of sometimes that we just take for granted that our life is our life and it's just all these things that we did but other people look at it and go you did what you yeah. went where you were you know and it's fascinating and they get to know you the real you they get to see different sides of you that they don't always yeah. see in the short little snippets of information that we're we, we seem to be giving each other a lot of the time now yeah. living through social media or whatever it might be yeah I, I, mean, I think it's an incredible idea i think it's i just love it i think it's brilliant um i mean i i have uncles i, I have one uncle in particular that that wrote his memoir which and uh, my dad's writing book but it's it, that's almost 
is it difficult to, well it obviously is difficult to write that stuff but it's so much easier to be asked questions because yes. somebody asking you a question is going to get deeper than you thinking well I must write this down um, so I think it's a way of, of really kind of drawing stuff out of people yeah and, and what's interesting is that because um, I've, I've seen the same thing where where people have gone you know sometimes people actually send me the information they'll send me oh I've written this and I go brilliant um love that love love that but it it can become almost transactional it can become almost like well i didn't want to go into too much detail whereas i'm going yeah tell me more about that that you know that's a throw you just said that as a throwaway line I, hang on whoa whoa yeah. whoa what do you mean you hitchhiked when you were 14 you know hundreds of miles just because and you came home that night and mum said so what did you do today and oh well i went to this place yeah <laughs> How did that happen? Tell me more. Yeah. And then you start to see them light up. And that's the, that's the joy of it. You know, we've, we've go on an emotional roller coaster sometimes. Um, you mentioned, I'm, I'm going to, he's going to love this, but you mentioned um, uh, a Yellow Tuxedo earlier and how we met was through the digital circus. And, um, and Alan uh, Braithwaite uh, and Emily, incredible characters, great friends. And I got them to, to, to help me with uh, some little promotional versions. So I, I asked them, look, you know, I don't want to do a full version of Gift of Story, but have you got a story that you'd love to share that I can put into sort of an idea concept? And Alan started telling me this story. And it was, you know, on, on the face of it, it's a very simple story of when he went on an ultra marathon run you know, in the desert somewhere, and it was 100 miles over however long or whatever it might be. He was genuinely in tears by the end of it as it brought back the memories of the experience. And he said, I, I, I don't do this. I don't, you know, that, what, what's this all about? Because he was looking at this picture yeah. of him crossing the crossing, the finish line. And it just brought it all back. And and that's why I say it's an honor and a privilege to do this. Yeah. You know, so. no, I, I feel that's how I feel with the podcast as well. You know, I get to talk to people that, yeah. again, it's, it's, a, it's a similar thing. You know, I mean, I um, have podcasted with my dad, who Brilliant. obviously does work in the film industry, so slightly more interested maybe. I don't know. Um, but, it, you know, for me, a lot of that was just about getting him to tell the stories so that so that it's it's there. It's actually I can show that to my daughter and his other grandchildren. And, you know, it's there for prosperity, prosperity. So it is. It is. And that's the that's the issue. It's it's the um, we again, it's the why wait. Yeah. The amount of times that we go, oh, I'll get around to doing that or I could do that myself. I could get on the you know, I could use my phone and just record myself or whatever it might of course you can and if you do fantastic but do you know what the actual gift of being able to sit back and let somebody help guide you through this and yeah. draw things out and I get excited for them and it's you know and I think that they feel that energy and they they pick up and and, and go so you know again like I say I've seen far too many people in my life lose those memories and my wife does things like um, she's doing family tree and ancestry stuff and whatever. And this is a verbal version of yeah. ancestry because we get to hear the people tell the stories of when they were there. The past is gone. We can't do that for, for all of um, pre previous generations, but we can certainly start to capture it for future yeah. ones. Absolutely. I mean, it's something I wish I'd done with my grandmother and my mother-in-law and, and all of those. So Exactly. Yeah. Well, how can people get in contact with you if they want to gift uh, a gift a story, or or work with you in in any way? I do have. I I will put up your. There you go. <laughs> so that's infinitepie.co.uk is the website for very much more the the coaching and the development side of things and the performance improvement. Uh, Giftofstory.co.uk is um, is under construction at the moment, but uh, but. They can reach me either way. So they can either hello at giftofstory.co.uk, reach out to me on there if you want, if you're interested in the gift of story side of things. Um, but anyway, you know, there's there's contact details on Infinite Pi as well. So feel free to 
contact me there and say, but I'm really interested in the gift of story side of things. Right. Uh, that's not a problem at all. The The website will be coming and, and, and we'll have all the various offers. I've just been doing this as a soft launch for now and that's kept me busy enough for, for, for now, but, uh, but definitely looking to develop it going forward. Um, I'm on all the, the, the various socials. So there's infinite pie thinking on Instagram. There's at Al underscore force on Instagram uh, I'm on Twitter. And of course, you can find me on LinkedIn. There you go. <laughs> Al Fawcett on LinkedIn as well. So. I will obviously put all the other links into whatever show notes that there there are. Um, just to show you that I have done my homework. See, I've got this as well. So that's this is just, all very clever. Yeah, isn't it? It's great. So that's the podcast. Isn't so it? that's a podcast, Infinite Pie Thinking with Al Fawcett. And, uh, and again, you know, it's on Wherever you get your podcasts, I've been, as I said, been very, very fortunate, like yourself, uh, conversational styles, listening to people, thought-provoking stories. But it tends to be the themes, whilst not rigid to this leadership, teamwork, culture, and the mindset and mental side of performance. Um, so, uh, so a lot of a lot of the people that reach out to me from the from listening to the show, uh, it can be. It starts off the where they might either be business owners, uh, senior leaders, or, or, or managers within businesses, or people aspiring to be. Um, but very quickly, they realize that a lot of the stuff that we talk about is life. It's, you know, what applies over here. Hey, look, if I can communicate more effectively with my team, with my people at work, with my colleagues, maybe... <laughs> <laughs> that sort of stuff will help me communicate more effectively with my family and with my friends and with Absolutely. my, you know, all the other connections that we have. So it's all about create connections that count, really make a create difference. Create connections that count. Don't yeah. collect them, connect with them. Fabulous. Oh, what a, a perfect place to stop. Wow, that's brilliant. Thank you, Al. Thank you so much for being a guest and a fabulous conversation. So much, so much stuff in there. Really, really enjoyed talking to you. So thank you very much. Loved it. It's been fantastic. Thanks ever so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, then please leave a five-star review on whichever platform you're on. And if you'd like to receive information about future guests or would like to know more about Power to Speak coaching, then sign up for our fortnightly newsletter at powertospeak.co.uk. And remember, check out some tantalising tales and magical moments from Storytelling with Puck. Find them where you find your favourite podcasts or head over to puckcreations.com forward slash storytelling with Puck podcast. Bye for now.